Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. <laughs> oh, that thing is so awesome. Oh, we've been waiting so long to show this to the world. You have no idea. It's just, uh, it's hard to even contain uh, my emotion about this. I was watching this video recently, sitting in a courtroom in Manhattan. It was being presented as evidence in one of the biggest white-collar fraud trials in recent years. The video is from 2016. The man, Trevor Milton, he's young, fit, gelled up hair. And the thing he's getting so emotional about in front of hundreds of people is a semi-truck. It sits behind him on the stage, white and gleaming, the company's name, Nikola, shining from its grill. It looks like it drove off the set of a sci-fi movie. And this truck will come to market, I can promise you that. For every doubter out there that said that there's no way this is true. Abs- how can that be possible? We've done it. It's my pleasure to actually let you guys enjoy the night, see the truck, know it's real, touch it, feel how sturdy it is. You're going to see that this is a real truck. This is not a pusher. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate it. Thank you. I've watched these clips so many times that I can't remember what it was like just to see them without obsessively dissecting them. Because federal prosecutors, they say almost every word you just heard this man say was a lie. And while this is a story about that man on stage, Trevor Milton, about what he did and why, before I tell you about him, I need you to understand the promise he was making. Because the promise was a big one, much bigger than just the truck on stage behind him. Trevor was saying that these trucks were going to change the world. He said they ran on hydrogen, using a fuel cell technology that creates electricity to power the trucks. And he promised they would do nothing less than clean America's air and help slow climate change. Think about the last time you were stuck in traffic, surrounded by smoke spewing semis on the interstate. Now imagine if these trucks ran almost silently and produced no exhaust. Imagine they emitted nothing more than clean, pure water. Trevor Milton had founded a company called Nikola that he said would crank out these new hydrogen trucks by the thousands, changing the world while making a huge amount of money. That was the promise. And according to Trevor, he'd already fulfilled it. We've already changed the world of transportation with the hydrogen truck. This truck is by far the most state-of-the-art truck ever built in history. We've got the Holy Grail, and that's what Nikola is. That's what we've done. The reporting behind what you're about to hear we sent to Trevor Milton's PR rep and lawyers and asked for Trevor's side. They didn't answer our questions. In court, his lawyers have called the case, quote, a prosecution by distortion. They say Trevor, quote, never intended to deceive anyone and was making statements, quote, because it was part of the company's marketing plan and it was totally innocent. As I sat in the courtroom watching, prosecutors went on to play video after video of Trevor, going over them in minute detail. Sometimes they zoom in on a frame to show the jury close-ups of the truck, comparing what the prosecutors say was never a functioning vehicle to what Trevor said about it. Like in this video, where he's being interviewed inside the cab of the truck. Hey everyone, I am here with Trevor Milton. He is the CEO of Nikola Motor Company, and we're in a very, very special truck, the Nikola One, America's first, or probably the world's first, hydrogen electric semi-truck. Yeah, it's really the first electric truck in the whole world that can go more than 200 miles. Trevor gestures towards the screens in the truck's console. It's a fully functioning uh, 
um, you know, vehicle, which is really incredible. You can go through, you can, you know, we can change out uh, pretty much everything we want, all the temperatures. I mean, this is a fully functioning vehicle. It's not just a, it's not just a pusher. That's what they call the, in the automotive world, a vehicle uh -huh. that they just push and it doesn't move. And not only was Trevor saying he had this fully functioning hydrogen truck, he was saying he would sell an entire hydrogen ecosystem around it. Companies would lease these trucks from Nikola, which would be pumped full of Nikola-produced hydrogen at Nikola-owned stations that were built across America's highways. It was as if the next Ford Motor Company would also be the next ExxonMobil. My goal was literally to revolutionize the trucking industry. We don't just sell a truck, we're really a tech energy company is what we are. We actually sell all the energy for the truck to the consumer at the same time. Sit back and watch what happens over the next five years. You're gonna see Nikola become one of the most valuable brands in the world. And as Trevor Milton sold these stories, Nikola grew, raising more than a billion dollars. A lot of people bought into his vision, from tens of thousands of retail traders to Wall Street banks and big, big names in corporate America, General Motors, Bosch, Anheuser-Busch. At one point, Nikola was valued even higher than Ford. Trevor Milton became a billionaire. He seemed unstoppable. This is the story of how that changed. How a group of characters from the margins of Trevor's life, not Wall Street bankers, not the big name companies he was doing deals with, how these outsiders started tugging at the loose threads of Trevor's stories. Wow, so this is just a garage of documents. There was so much information and clues out there. I've got whiteboards and thumb drives and files and pictures. He didn't want anybody to take pictures or videos. I took some when he wasn't watching. I got in this mode where like, dude, the six finger man, he ain't getting away this time, right? How these outsiders teamed up with professional short sellers who hunt companies for sport and profit. Here's a guy who's taking a company public with like a $3 billion market valuation. And a few years ago, he was selling alarm systems door to door. The same truck that he was showing at the presentation, barreling through the hills of the Utah desert, the truck was rolling down the hill. This is nuts. This is unlike any public company I've ever dealt with. I've never seen anything like it and how the puzzle they pieced together would lead to billions of dollars in stock market losses. Nikola shares are tumbling after a short seller called the company, quote, an intricate fraud built on dozens of lies. Would lead to an emphatic denunciation by Trevor Milton of his critics. Listen, for my language, fails people. They're shitty people. All this was lies, and it was slander against Nikola. And finally, to the government indicting Trevor on four counts of fraud. Billionaire tycoon who promised to revolutionize the trucking industry with electric vehicles now indicted for fraud. Prosecutors say Trevor Milton, quote, lied about nearly every aspect of that business. Trevor Milton now faces years in prison, if convicted. He's denied all the allegations. My name is Ben Foldy. I'm a financial investigative reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Before that, I covered the auto industry. And that's where two years ago I first started digging into Trevor Milton's story. And it's a wild one, which I'm going to tell you over the next six episodes of our series, Bad Bets. We'll meet the actor who pretended to drive a motorless truck as it was rolled down a hill. I did the audition, and it was just like a couple of lines, you know, about driving a truck or something. We'll talk to a woman who was infuriated after watching Trevor's unusual uses for investor capital. We go into this warehouse, and I'm just seeing dollar signs everywhere. The clothing, the advertising, the cases of silly string. And a private eye, playing spy games in the heart of New York City. There's two fake whistleblowers, our fake whistleblower and their fake whistleblower. The goal was to get everyone's faces to identify them later. 
And finally, we'll look to answer the real mystery underneath all this. What was it about Trevor Milton, or the world he found himself in, that let him get so far, so much money and so much attention, with so little to show, but a promise? This truck will come to market, I can promise you that. For every doubter out there that said that there's no way this is true. Abs how can that be possible? We've done it. After the break, we go back to the beginning, where it all started. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This past July, my editor Sruthi Pinamanani and I drove to the southwestern tip of Utah, a city called St. George. It's where Trevor Milton was living in his early 20s, and it's where he got his start as a businessman. It's also where, I'm finding out, he first began a pattern that he would repeat throughout his career. A big idea, a hype-filled pitch, and then seemingly a crash into disputes and litigation. So that's why we're going there, to see in person where this began. While driving through the desert, I see elements of stories that Trevor Milton told about his life the raw materials of the mythology that he spun for himself as a founder on his path to becoming a billionaire. He grew up in this region, moving between small Utah towns and Las Vegas. His mother died of cancer when he was young, and his dad raised him. Trevor says he wasn't much for book learning. He dropped out of community college after one semester. But he said his dad understood that he was different from other kids and encouraged him to become an entrepreneur. And driving through this desert landscape, it was almost like a dorky vacation just to see some of the details of stories that Trevor's told. Like at one point, we spot a train heading in the other direction. I believe that that is a Union Pacific train, and it is. I can see the logo. I remember how Trevor would tell the story over and over as part of his pitch for Nikola. My dad inspired me with trains. He was the manager of Union Pacific Railroad in Las Vegas. I grew up around trains. I grew up on the, on the rail yards. Trevor says he learned as a young kid on those rail yards, the diesel locomotives are actually moved by electricity. The diesel generates power for electric motors. They're almost like giant hybrid electric vehicles. And Trevor says one day, it was driving his dad nuts at the yard that led to the idea that would change his life. Occasionally, when I would uh, frustrate him enough, he would send me out with the conductors and let me look at the inside of a train. The conductor, which is the guy who you know drives the train, would say one day they'll be smart enough to build a locomotive semi-truck. I was six years old, around that age, that's when the light bulb went off. I wasn't anyone special at the time, nor was he. We weren't the first people to think about it. I don't lay claim on it. But what it did is it was a seed. It was a seed that cultivated over my life. It was a seed of desire to build something, a desire to create something. Trevor said he knew that he wanted to make a truck like that, a locomotive semi-truck. 
The train passed us by, and we kept driving into the desert. Uh, this is the Virgin River Valley, I believe. After a really beautiful stretch of road through the Virgin River Gorge, we crossed from Arizona into Utah. Insane. We're entering a desert valley. We're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. People often say LDS, or Mormons. Settled here back in the 1800s. There was religious persecution. Trevor, who grew up LDS, spent years here, and a lot of his family is still here. Um, so I think that's St. George. So just like we're yeah. coming from on high and in, in, into the valley. For Trevor Moulton, who had an uncanny ability to raise money, this community was sort of the first pond that he fished. And here, he would find not only investors, but also talent. Tinkers, self-taught mechanics, who'd be able to translate Trevor's dreams into reality. People who will be instrumental to his rise, and some, later, will have a role to play in his downfall. Um, we are going to Epic Motorsports, which is a custom motorcycle and ATV and car spot that is owned by a friend of Trevor Milton. Once we get there, we step around a crashed Corvette and several jet skis roasting in the sun, and we walk inside into a dark storefront surrounded by piles of parts and tires. Scooters and jet skis and... Yeah. Suspension? Uh, yeah, that was the fork on the Yamaha R6 motorcycle. Got a customer that I'm just doing a rework on his front suspension. Very cool. That's Tyler Satterfield, the friend of Trevor's who owns this place. They met many years ago, connecting right away over a love that they shared, a love of engines. And how did you guys meet? Uh, he was somebody that I, I met as a customer. He came in looking to do some work to a, I think it was a, a Yamaha R1 that he needed to have some work done. So he comes in with a, a real fast motorcycle, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, and Trevor, he likes fast things. Is that fair to say? I, I would say that he just is, uh, he, he enjoys toys. So in general, he, he enjoys nice things to, to play with. Toys. Cars, dirt bikes, anything with an engine. Nearly everyone we spoke to who crossed paths with Trevor Milton in St. George, they love toys. I've covered cars at the Journal, but I'm not really a car guy myself. When I got hired, I was told that I didn't need to love cars, but I did need to understand why people did. And I do. For a lot of people, cars are an extension of their personality. They're a shared language. And for some people, it's like speed itself is almost a personality type, or at least something to bond over. Tyler Satterfield told me this story about how he and Trevor connected over a go-kart. And it seemed to me a good example of Trevor's ability to take something ordinary and push it into something new. I was selling these uh, off-road go-karts that had these 150cc motors, you know, they weren't real fast. They were kind of, they looked really awesome, you know, but they, you get in them and you're like, oh, I just want to go faster. You know, just if it, it was just as a little bit better, right? And so Trevor asked him. He's like, how would you make this better? So, well, what you got to do is you got to make it breathe better. So we got to put a different intake. We got to do a different exhaust. And there's nitrous. We could throw nitrous on it and you'd have a baby go gas button. And for a minute, you'd be able to go real fast. So they did it. Tyler Satterfield modified the go-kart, put all these custom parts on it, added nitrous and gauges, and then Trevor takes it on a drive. 
He takes it around the corner and he hits the gas, he just holds it to it. And he was just going so fast, his face was all lit up, you know. He's like, yeah, and he's like putting his head down. He's like I'm going Mach 3, no helmet or nothing on it. I could see his just, he's all lit up, like, yeah, go! You know, the thing that had like a top speed of like 25, 28 miles an hour and he was probably doing like 50. And then he blows the motor, the head gasket. You had that distinct uh, pop, and then just that gray, blue, black smoke just followed it and then whimpered away and it just, and just, and then he was like, can you fix it? You know, <laughs> that's like, that was his first word, I think, is out of his mouth. Can you fix it? Yeah, yeah, we can fix it. Tyler's face, it lights up as he remembers this moment and he remembers his friend. My editor, Sruthi, asked if there were a lot of folks like Trevor around here. Are there a lot of people around here like Trevor? No. No. No, Trevor's a one only. He's a one of a kind. Yeah, I've never, never met anybody. I doubt I ever will. Trevor was somebody I felt like nothing's impossible with Trevor. Whatever it is he wanted to do, as long as we put our minds to it, it was possible. We, we could do it. I heard this from a lot of people in St. George. There was something about Trevor Milton. He had this ability to convince people to see themselves in his ideas, to see the version of the future that he saw. But there was another side to working with Trevor. And the main reason we've come all the way to St. George is to meet the person who can talk about that. We are pulling up to the house of Mike Shrout in our rented Kia. Um, According to the internal car thermometer, it is 103 degrees outside. Mike Shrout lives on a quiet suburban cul-de-sac, lots of one-story ranch homes. We walk up his short driveway, past an old Firebird and an Acura and a two-door garage. Hey, Mike. How are you? Going crazy. How are you guys? Mike looks a little frazzled. He's got his glasses sitting on the back of his neck, pointing backwards. It looks like he's in the middle of a big project. All right, welcome to my... uh... My world right now. Doing some, some adjusting. Doing a lot of life adjusting right now. The house is in total renovation mode. Floors are ripped up. There's plastic lining everywhere. And then whiteboards covered in drawings, notes, and even scraps of scripture. Mike's also LDS. This is what I'm trying to do the rest of the house. Mike tells me he's a self-taught engineer. Someone who loves to take things apart and figure out how to make them better. He's also somewhat of an archivist. A meticulous documenter of basically everything. Figure things however you like. We sit down and we start to talk about how a person like Mike ended up enmeshed in a multi-billion dollar mess. It started with him meeting Trevor Milton in 2004 when Mike Shrout was selling protective linings for pickup truck beds, a brand called Rhino Linings, from a storefront in St. George. Trevor was 10 years younger, an energetic 22-year-old salesman opening an alarm shop a couple doors down. He's a you know, kind of fast talker, pretty awesome. He had this 90-something uh, Chevy, jacked up. It was yellow, bright yellow. He called it Big Bird. It was actually pretty funny. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was a good name for his truck. Mike says Trevor soon asked him to work on Big Bird, to spray down a liner. So I think that was probably the first thing I did for him. But after that, it's like, hey, buddy, oh, will this work on a, like an office counter? Like, oh, yeah, I guess so. All right, awesome. And he brings it down. He takes the counter out over his business and brings it down. Ah, yeah, just spray it gray. And so I, I did. Sprayed it. Again, Trevor Milton had this way of taking an idea and pushing it further and finding new applications or combinations for it. And then another one was like, hey, buddy, oh, he had this little scooter. Yeah, he had a little, little, little putt-putt scooter, right? 
I sprayed that yellow for him. Mike Shrout says he did a lot of these little jobs for Trevor Milton, but he was not charmed by him. In his recollection, even in the early days, Trevor was annoying, squeezing him for nickels and dimes from the beginning. Hey, buddy, what's the best deal you can give me? What's the, what's just like the best deal, you know? It's always talking me down. Like, uh, I didn't have a very good margin already, so I was probably making like 30 bucks every time I did it. I guess my main point is just that he would never, Trevor never paid retail. He always got the buddy deal. And he got the buddy, 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 buddy deal, not the regular buddy deal. Anyways. How could he do that, though? Cause, cause because he had... He's really persistent. You know, help me out. You know, I'm, you know we're buddies. We're, we're friends. Were you friends? I don't know. You know, I was his buddy. He always called me buddy. Mike showed us photos and receipts to back up his version of events. And the portrait he painted of a young Trevor Milton was of somebody already adept at the art of the deal. And though Trevor was young, he'd had years of experience already persuading strangers. He'd gotten that experience the way a lot of young LDS folks do. Before he opened his home alarm business, next door to Mike Shrout's shop, Trevor had traveled extensively. He'd done a missionary stint in Brazil, then sold alarms door-to-door in Puerto Rico. This transition from pitching religion to getting a door-to-door sales job, it's its own unofficial rite of passage for a lot of people in these parts. They call it a summer sales job, selling home alarms, solar panels, pest control, you name it. And they come out of these stints widely regarded as some of the best salespeople in the country. In the case of Trevor Milton, though, Mike Shrout felt like his salesmanship went too far. He remembers one time that Trevor offered to sell him an alarm for his shop. Hey, man, you need an alarm down here. Like, yeah, I probably do. He's like, no, man, well, I'll, I'll, let me hook you up, man. We got this awesome deal right now. It's only $99 install. Like, 99 bucks, that's not too bad. He's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah it's still like we're in a special right now. And so... Like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Not long after, one of Trevor's installers is in Mike's office, putting in the alarm system. And Mike says to the installer, I'm like, yeah, dude, this is a pretty dang good deal, man. 99 bucks for the install. Like, what? Like, yeah, Trevor's only charged me 99. It's like, it's free install, dude. <laughs> like, what? what are you talking about? Like, yeah, dude, they're, they're free. Like, <laughs> yeah, anyways. That's what happened with that. He charged me 99 bucks for a free alarm install. You got the buddy, the buddy buddy. I got the buddy deal that time. Yeah. Did you uh, confront him about it? I don't remember. I don't think I did. Okay. I just like, I didn't have time for that crap. And at that time, Mike Shrout could not have predicted that the guy separating him from his $99 would end up at the helm of a billion dollar business or that Mike Shrout would be mixed up with that business. It felt unfathomable, but that would be a few years later. In the meantime, Trevor Milton soon sold the alarm company around 2006. The man he sold it to, Glenn Pills, told the Wall Street Journal in 2020 that Trevor had misrepresented the quality of the business when he sold it. For example, Glenn told us that a $30,000 contract represented as a done deal turned out to just be a bid. He said that many employees didn't have the right licenses, and that when he went to collect on unpaid accounts, the customers said they'd already paid Trevor Milton. The business went under within a few years. But people didn't know all this at the time. All they knew was that Trevor Milton had had a successful exit. And fresh off that exit, he founded a new company, this time a company that sold classified ads online. Trevor said it would be a competitor to Craigslist and eBay within a few years. Mike Shrout didn't see much of Trevor those days. He had bigger problems to deal with. It's 2009. St. George had briefly stopped growing as the country was deep in the financial crisis. Mike's home builder clientele had dried up, and he closed his truck liner business. Finances were tight. He needed something new to meet the moment. 
And then he noticed that there was an actual problem in town that he could solve and maybe make a small business out of. You know, economy's going crazy. Fuel prices are going high. Wow, deja vu. And in Utah, Utah had been trying to promote natural gas because there's a good supply of it here. It's, you know, it's cleaner than gas and diesel. So natural gas was a lot cheaper than... It was 67 cents when diesel was four bucks. Yeah, I mean, the the ratio was, was ridiculous. Converting your car to run on natural gas instead of gasoline can make driving way more affordable. It's called a CNG conversion. CNG stands for compressed natural gas. And Mike Shrout, ever the tinker, started doing these conversions for people he knew. His wife, Miranda Shrout, is also an entrepreneur, and she remembers the moment. Mike said, hey, I can put a conversion kit on our car. I'm like, well, that's really cool. So he started putting conversion kits on our cars, and then a couple friends' cars, and then before I knew it, he came home one day and he said that he ran into an old buddy at the gym, and this guy wanted a conversion kit on his truck. The buddy at the gym? It was Trevor Milton. So I'm there one day, and all of a sudden, I see across the room, Trevor just kind of walks in in street clothes. I think he's even got a coat on. He like picks up a dumbbell and is kind of flexing it. And then all of a sudden, turns around, oh, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Like, what have you been up to, man? Like, oh, well, yeah, I, you know. You know, Rhino got really tough. People stopped coming in, and I kind of pivoted to doing natural gas conversion for like, oh, hey, yeah, wow, I've been thinking about doing that on my truck. Whoa, yeah, man. Uh, Dude, you need to give me a bit on my truck. I'm just kind of rolling my eyes in my head like, ah, I don't want to do a Trevor deal. I'm just going to get killed on this deal. But I'm desperate. I don't have a job right now. So he does it. He puts a system on Trevor Milton's diesel Dodge pickup. And Mike didn't know it, but it was the first small step towards changing both of their lives. According to Mike Shout, when Trevor Milton drove his newly converted pickup, he got very excited. Because Trevor noticed that besides the cost savings, the conversions offer another advantage, power. Since it's a turbocharged diesel, you can just make a dump truck load of power mm-hmm. if it's set up just right. And it took a bit of adjusting to get it set up just right. But once it worked, Trevor Milton had something bigger and faster than his souped-up go-kart. I was like, oh, dude, it's awesome. And so he was, he was ecstatic. I mean, it's, it's a rocket. Trevor Milton would ask Mike Shroud a question that Mike himself had been batting around. What if you could take this natural gas conversion And instead of putting it on a pickup, what if you put it on a semi-truck? This question of whether a cleaner, cheaper semi was possible would start Trevor down the path towards a hydrogen truck. But at first, the focus was on natural gas. Mike Shrout says that right away, Trevor Milton started pitching him on going into business together. He shows up at at the house and, you know, he comes in and, hey, dude, we need to be in business, man. And like my wife's there this time, and so she's sitting in with us. We need to go in business, 50-50 partners. My dad's friends with like the governor in Nevada, and I've got all his money connections and all this kind of stuff. Miranda Shrout says she remembers her husband being apprehensive, but she also remembers that Trevor knew all the right things to say. Again, it was 2009, and folks were struggling to get by. Trevor knew that we were in a crunch. Newlyweds, the economy is tanking, we just bought a house. He knew that we were in a tight spot financially. So he starts throwing numbers around. Miranda Shrout says Trevor Milton talked business and the bottom line and gave big projections about how much they could all make with this venture. But he also talked about a higher calling. And, you know, the, the religious stuff is subtle, but Trevor throws in little things like, I prayed about it, or 
I have a really good spiritual feeling about this. But, but one of the things I remember is Trevor standing in our kitchen and looking at Mike, leaning on one of our kitchen stools, saying, dude, we're doing this 50-50, and I'm going to take care of you. If I'm being fully honest, I, I did look at Trevor, and I had a lot of hope. I had a lot of hope. In that moment, it was he had said everything that we wanted to hear. And when Trevor said 50-50, in the moment, I had no reason to not believe that this was going to be everything that Trevor said it was, and it was going to be wonderful. And then they shook on it, but, you know, I, I was so naive, it never occurred to me to, like, <laughs> get a lawyer and go over the paperwork. I I had worked in plenty of handshake relationships before, and they had worked out well. Is St. George kind of a handshake place? It used to be. Yeah, that, that wasn't completely gone. I mean, yeah, it wasn't unusual to, you know, just take somebody's word for it. Mm-hmm. According to Mike and Miranda Shrout, they shake on it. Two guys in a kitchen in St. George, one witness present, a 50-50 partnership. The business they form would be called D-Hybrid Inc. And this was the business that in some ways, in many ways, laid the groundwork for Nicola. Trevor Milton would go on to sell the world on the promise of a transformative technology, a new way to move goods all over the country in a new truck. And D-Hybrid would be the beginning of that, a step towards the dream that Trevor had said he'd had since he was six, the dream of a locomotive semi and the fortune to be made along with it. And so the idea becomes natural gas hybrid conversions for diesel semi-trucks. Yeah. Had that been done by anybody else? I had been trying to do it, but I just hadn't been at it long enough to get my hands on a big rig to do it. Mike Shrout needed a semi. Trevor Milton took care of that. In late 2009, Trevor used his connections to get a meeting with Swift Transportation, one of the biggest trucking outfits in the country. He drove his Dodge pickup, the one that Mike Shrout converted to run on natural gas, to Swift's headquarters in Phoenix. And Mike says that after that meeting with Swift, Trevor called him. Hey, I just just got back. Just went to Swift and just, you know, let him drive the truck. And they're super impressed. And they were going to send us a semi. Like, holy crap, wow. I was really amazed at how quickly doors opened. I was. And um, it isn't long before... There's a, a semi parked in my driveway, and I'm going nuts on it, trying to do the same thing with it. This is the driveway in this in this, in apartment? this house right here. It's, pictures of it out front. It's, it's not a very big driveway, is it? No, it just barely fit. Mike shows me a picture. A big semi truck, as tall as his house, is just barely poking into the street from his driveway. You're right. It it truly <laughs> barely fit. The picture really drives home for me something that I find fascinating about Trevor Milton. The enormous semi in the tiny driveway is such a perfect metaphor for a man who several people told us was never deterred by the scale of his ambitions relative to his surroundings. Trevor had a knack for finding some pretty amazing people, often garage savants, who would do the work to try to make his dreams real. He'd do it later at Nicola, but it started here in St. George. Mike Shrout was the first of many. Mike says, all of a sudden, his job is trying to adapt his homebrew natural gas conversions to this much larger engine. He needs to prove to the suits at Swift that he can save them lots of money on diesel with natural gas conversions. 
and he has just eight weeks to do it. To be clear, no one else is doing this. There's barely an online community. There's no how-to guide. Mike Shrout needs to figure it out himself. So he starts cobbling together new parts, teaching himself to code. This is actually the first time I've ever done this. But, you know, it's kind of figured out. You just keep trying and tear the internet apart looking for answers and find all these parts that I can kind of whip together and make something that actually works. The stakes were high, but it would be worth it. If Mike Shrout could pull it off, D-Hybrid could win a contract with a massive company. I'm this on my kitchen table at night, like all day and all night. So you what? I have all these pictures. No, I built it on my kitchen table. But Swift is a multi-billion dollar company at this point. No, they were the largest trucking outfit in the entire United States, yeah. like with an enormous fleet. And you're building a transformative technology for them on your kitchen table. Yeah, no, this is, this is totally whack, yeah. Okay. So, just to be clear here, I mean, you're not, and this isn't an indictment of, of your talent or your ability, but, like, you're not an engineer, you're not... I have to self-learn self this stuff. Got it. Does Swift know that they are giving a semi to a guy in a cul-de-sac in suburban St. George? Or I do don't know. They? I don't know, but it's an interesting question, isn't it? We reached out to Swift Transportation, which declined to comment. But Mike Shrout, he really did have a bunch of photos and documents to back him up. And he said while he was building the prototype, Trevor wasn't adding much technical know-how. But he was a master of salesmanship. He's really good at figuring out all the cool words to use and really good at painting a picture and, and using awesome words. I call them awesome words when he uses them. And he gets fluent in the awesome words and he gets a lot done. Well, he, get, he gets doors opened, let's put it that way. March 2010. Three men from Swift arrive in St. George for the big test. After a few weeks of Mike Shrout working day and night to rig the semi to run on natural gas, Swift wants to see it in action. They want to test the efficiency of this new system. And they don't just want to see it on the truck. They want to see how it pulls a trailer with tens of thousands of pounds in it. That's a lot more than the naked semi that Mike's been nervously testing by driving around his church parking lot. Mike Shrout says he hops in the cab with Trevor Milton, a driver from Swift, and the Swift executives responsible for increasing efficiency. They set out for a test drive to Beaver, Utah, 100 miles up the highway. We go up the road. I'm in the back of the cab. I've got a you know laptop hooked to the system, what I call a system, and, um, and it won't link up. It won't do anything. I can't get it to connect. I'm freaking out. Like, I'm, I'm calm, but inside I'm like, oh crap. We're screwed. This is terrible. I don't know what to do. And finally, I just like, honestly, I just said a quiet prayer. I feel like I have done everything that I can. You know, please help me get the rest of the way. And this is not my imagination. The truck just started to just run smooth and just beautifully. Mike Shrout couldn't believe it. He'd never seen anything like it. He sat, mostly in silence, while outside the truck, the mountains went by. After the drives, they hop down from the cab, and one of the Swift executives starts figuring out how much fuel they saved. It's a simple test, done by pen and paper, just comparing how much fuel they had left in the tank with and without the system. And they measured the fuel savings after the two runs. And I've got the whole page, I'll show it to you. It's all his notes from the trip, and figuring in the price and the cost per mile savings. He wrote 61% on that piece of paper when we were all just Oh, wow. That, I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought it was going to be like 5%. Everybody was freaking out. Like, they're like, wow. 
61% is huge. Fuel is one of SWIFT's highest expenses, and cutting that by 61% could mean a big boost to profits. Mike Shrout says they returned to St. George triumphant. So we went out to lunch after that. Everybody's buddies now, and I don't know if it's still there, but it was a Mexican restaurant, and they let you write on the ceiling for some reason. Anyways, Trevor gets up on the table and stands up there, and he writes 61% cost per mile savings. So needless to say, we're in a new zone now. We're at the table, you know. Did they buy you lunch? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they totally did. The brand new company, D-Hybrid, still operating out of Mike Shout's driveway, had just passed its first big test. And it was an important test. It would lead to a contract with Swift, a name that carried with it an enormous amount of clout as one of the biggest trucking firms in the country. And when Trevor made a deal, the next one wasn't far behind. On the next episode of Bad Bets, money. Late one night, he goes, we've got to have some investment capital. And I'm like, what are you talking? He goes, as much as you've got. How Trevor convinces the people in his community to give him millions of dollars and what he does with those millions. Mike brings home this, it was like a printed flyer to come to the world's largest Silly String event. It gets to the point where, hey buddy, yeah, there's like no more money and you know, there's no money to pay you. And what happens when people start to ask questions? I actually ended up calling Trevor and I have that audio recording. Oh, now, now our eyes light up. Yeah. That episode will be available in the Bad Bats feed, October 14th. Bad Bets is a production of the Wall Street Journal. This season is produced with Jigsaw Productions in collaboration with Story Force Entertainment. This episode of Bad Bets is hosted by me, Ben Foldy. The series is directed by Sruthi Pinamanani. Scott Salloway is the supervising producer. Ken Brown is WSJ's financial enterprise editor. Shane McKeon, Frank Matt, and Garrett Graham are the producers. Editorial consulting by PJ Vogt. Fact-checking by Elizabeth Moss. Sound design, original composition, and mixing by Armin Bazarian. For The Wall Street Journal, Daniel Rosen is the co-executive producer of WSJ Studios. Ben Weltman is the senior executive producer. For Jigsaw Productions, Stacey Offman and Richard Perallo are executive producers. For Storyforce Entertainment, Bly Pagan Faust and Corey Shepard Stern are executive producers. Special thanks as well to WSJ's Charles Farrell, Jamie Heller, Brent Kendall, Christina Rogers, Corey Ramey, James Finelli, Rick Brooks, Emma Moody, and Jessica Fenton. One more thing. We originally planned to release two episodes this week, but Trevor Milton's trial is wrapping up, and we're expecting a verdict soon. That's why we're holding episode two until next week. Thanks for listening. See you then. <laughs>